We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy in the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy in the King. And let me tell you, normally uh, I have a way of coming into each and every one of these episodes. Like I have something like on my mind that I want to talk about. But today, like I'm I'm a little bit like uh, discombobulated, as they say. You see like a suit jacket with the pocket square fly Mm -hmm. as ever. My hat is over there near another computer near the bourbon. You know that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just a little discombobulated. And I'm going to tell you why, because I just got off of a conversation with Dr. Patty Fletcher. Absolutely the truth. Uh, She works with Work Human. We had a, a Facebook. No, wait a minute. LinkedIn live conversation. You already know how I showed up, like 100% authentic, transparent, straight to the point. And so it just kind of got me a little bit out of my my rate, my my rhythm. But Uh-oh. I promise you, I'm going to be ready to rock and roll within the next five minutes. Trust me. The, the next five minutes. Should we pause? Yeah. You want me to no, like no, 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 commercial no, break? No, 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 no. We don't. I mean, listen, I got the candle burden. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to do a little shout out to little reborn candles. Uh, I'm ready. I mean, I got my beverage. I just don't have my Twizzlers and, you know, some of the things that normally take me need. into the show. That's all. Yes. Yes. Our, our comfort blankets of Twizzlers Absolutely. and bourbon. I appreciate that. Uh, Absolutely. I, speaking of, of bourbon, tomorrow when everyone is listening to this show on Thursday, I will be partaking on a Buffalo Trace bourbon tour sponsored by Pando Logic. Uh, we work okay. with them at Disability Solutions. And you yep. got to, you'll have to check out LinkedIn. Um, the spread is incredible. Where's so this happening? Uh, it's virtual. So in my office. Okay. Um, but we got like Blanton's, uh, Eagle Rare, three, I think, four different types of bourbon, all the glasses, the shakers, the whole thing. Um, so we're, we're diving into some bourbon tomorrow. So they sent you like one of those little drink kits at home or something like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Wait pretty amazing, though. How, how many did you receive? Like two or, or one and a half? What, what, what oh, we got that? two. We got you two. Chad, we're going to let Chad participate, too. I was going to ask you, like, are you going to let him like enjoy it? Or is he like sitting off camera, just kind of watching this thing? And he's no, got like a, a, a Miller's genuine draft. Okay. <laughs> you know, like a Miller's, a, a Miller's, Gen- you ever drink Miller's genuine uh, draft? Budweiser? Seriously, that was the first beer that I ever drank as, as a, a kid, it, like in high school or whatever. MGD light. Oh, mm. so gross. Young bucks. Yes. Yeah, you young buck, young buck. So listen, <laughs> uh, Twitter's MoPub mobile monetization platform introduced its inclusive inventory program. Now, listen, I probably said all of that the wrong way. Twitter's MoPub mobilization monetization. I don't know what that is. What, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you what I like about it. What I like about it, and and some people may find this to be a bit of a benefit. So Twitter is allowing you to monetize certain aspects of being on the platform, 
and when you set that up, they have a section that allows you to identify um, your status. You know, are you a black owned business, Hispanic owned business? You are, are you a person with a disability? I think is in there. Uh, I didn't nope. go through all of, it's not in there. No, nope, we didn't make the cut. Yeah, you know I did that shit on purpose, right? I know you did. <laughs> I know. Um, I got to give you a shot, you know, because hopefully someone from Twitter, Candy Castleberry or somebody out there, hopefully somebody is hearing that so that they understand we appreciate the designations and to be able to articulate who we are. But if we're missing audiences, we're missing the true essence and spirit of inclusion and representation. And I know that there are some incredible business owners out there that have a disability or want to focus on that audience of people with disabilities. And so they would want to be able to identify so that they can be found. Yes. Yes. Social entrepreneurship in the disability community is a huge market and there are Adobe databases and there are plenty of ways to find um, disabled owned businesses. Mine is one of them. We're also veteran owned. Um, So, you know, there's no reason like we should definitely be able to take advantage of this. What I think is a really cool program. Absolutely. Uh, NBC cancels the 2022 Golden Globes ceremony among growing HFPA backlash. So the HFPA stands for the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And the bottom line is, let me just get to the bottom line. The bottom line is the HFPA has been criticized incessantly for the lack of diversity in their leadership ranks. And so I think that um, the window dressing and the platitudes that they have given out for so long are running very thin. And so the decision was to cancel the uh, 2022 Golden Globes ceremony, and I could care less. Uh, In protecting Americans with disabilities, Congress has fallen short. And there's a great article over on Fortune um, that we probably will tweet out tomorrow. I'm sure between Julie and I, one of us is going to tweet it out. But here's the one that really caught me this week. Okay. Because oftentimes when we get mad and we start to talk about DNI, we are focused on black and white relationships or situations or scenarios. We might talk about the gender scenario as a very close second. Every once in a while, we allow the conversation to open up outside of technology, if you will. We'll talk Wall Street or the power quarters of DC entertainment. But this is one of the stories that resembles a story we did a couple of months ago around the Olympics and how they were mistreating their workers. This one is a Hindu temple in New Jersey. Accused of exploiting workers, it lured from India. Jay, let me tell you, I read the story, won't get into all of the details, but it said that they were bringing the workers over from India, taking their passports, confining them to particularly the hotels or the work site, like really limiting their travel. And paying them a dollar twenty an hour. Yeah, you remember that anti-slavery conversation we had last week? Just last week. Yep, this is exactly exactly what you're seeing. And and who would know any different if that was the expectation that you arrived with? And how do you know when you have no resources how to get support, how to get help, how to get out of that 
situation. And of all of the communities that we talk about, Asian men are, are very rarely fit into that com- uh, conversation about exploitation. And clearly, this is an example of why it should be a part of the conversation. Yeah. And normally they get into the conversation as the model minority. Mm-hmm. And when we think about that phrase of model minority, that's not actually a new phrase. It may be new to some people, maybe even new to many of our listeners, but it's a phrase that has been around for quite some time. And that's the reason why, listen, I'm not one of these people who walks around with animus in my spirit. I, I call a spade a spade. I call a situation what it is, but I think it's it, it's red, it's important that more people are speaking up as it relates to injustices. That's what is required. It's And we say it week after week after week. You have to be empowered and you have to find your voice. And there is absolutely no reason why. I hope that they absolutely lose the lawsuit. They lose the temple or whatever that building was that they built, um, that they absolutely pay a steep price for bringing these people over under the pretenses in which they did that. And if, in effect, like you said, just... Um, submitted them or enrolled them in slave labor, which is, you know, that's not cool at all. So uh, our quote for the week before we get into one of our job bite ads is pursue ambition with contentment. This was something that was told to Dara Tresseter. Dara Tresseter is the senior VP and head of global marketing for Peloton. The quote, once again, pursue ambition with contentment. To Dara, it means seeking impact and not glory. Quick break, ad from Jobvite, we'll rock our show. Really quick before Torin and I hop back into the episode, have you heard about the new Jobvite? The social recruiting innovator is now the end-to-end TA suite leader, helping TA teams attract, engage, hire, onboard, and promote the talent they need to succeed. But built specifically for talent acquisition professionals, the Jobvite Talent Acquisition Suite delivers an unmatched depth of capabilities from AI to DNI, recruitment marketing to applicant management, new hire onboarding, employee referrals, internal mobility, all with next gen analytics to help you prove the value you deliver to your organization. Whatever your recruiting challenge, Jobvite has a solution. Visit jobvite.com slash C-A-T-K today. Again, jobvite.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Now let's get back into the show. Cool. So let's get into this week's show. Uh, So I have the pleasure of introducing this week's guest. I think actually, Jay, we have a guest next week as well, don't we? Uh, We do. Two weeks in a row. Uh, Two weeks in a row. So listen, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But this week we have Andy Diderasi. I think it's pronounced Diderasi. I'm sure he'll correct me. Uh, You are a marketing guy. um, Great energy. You care about community, Detroit in particular, but you care about community from everything that I've read. An entrepreneur. You strike me really as an individual who... In the 70s, they may have called him a hippie. And so w- because I had that feeling, I, I, I put out well, this truth. This is how I, I, I built it. I, I put hippie energy in my Google search. And the first thing that came up was an Instagram page that said hippie energy. Go figure. And so on the page, it says, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. I was like, yo, this is Andy all day long. 
So, Andy, how would you describe yourself? I, I think he's coming after me for, for the long hair right now. You can't hear this on audio, but he's coming after me for the long hair. You're just jealous. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, first, hold it out is first. I'm a comedian. Uh, no, I, I, um, I, 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 first up, city of Detroit is where it's at. Uh, born and raised here. You know, I, I, everything I do uh, is because this city, this city made me, and I, I, I do what I do to give back to it. You know, the the role that I took outside of the city with uh, base camp uh, was my first job outside of the city of Detroit, and. Um, you know, it's um, it. I'll, I'll be an entrepreneur now back here. Uh, you know, until I die, I learned the hard way that uh, a job ain't for me. Um, but uh, but no, I I I make stuff. I'm you know a, a gearhead. You know, through and through. Grew up in an automaker family. Um, and I'm just trying to build uh the businesses that I want to see in the world, the kind of places that I'd I'd like to patronize. So I reached out to you, Andy, because and you mentioned it a moment ago. For anyone who missed it. Uh, he made you made reference to an organization, and of course that organization has been in the news. and And I reached out to you for a particular reason. I reached out to you because of that deep entrepreneurial root that you have, an entrepreneurial root that wraps around people. It you you cannot be a great entrepreneur and not focus on on people. And so I I said this guy he he absolutely has to care about people. He cares about Detroit. He's a marketing guy messaging. And so I want to start the conversation around where are these organizations going wrong when their messaging says you can't speak about political or let me do it in a different way, social issues. We we want you to just simply come to work and talk about work. Where are they going wrong? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult because, um, that concept really, uh, when a lot of companies say that what they're, what they're asking you is not to bring your whole self to work, you know, is not to bring, um, you know, everything that you think and feel about, uh, it's basically the, uh, the, the shut up and work, you know, policy right now. Um, I just departed my role at base camp about two weeks ago because of some policy changes. Um, you know, I, I, I can't speak on, um, you know, my experience at base camp, but I can speak about companies globally, um, in my opinion on where they go and also how I build companies myself, you know, I'm, I'm on, uh, my eighth successful company. Some are very small, some are very small projects, but I have a couple that, you know, that broke out and, uh, you know, employ a few dozen people. Um, when you ask someone to not, uh, talk about, you know, politics, like, what does that mean? Like, I'd love for someone who has one of those policies to actually define that for me. Um, because people who say they're not into politics, you know, their landlords into politics, their employer is into politics. They're making political donations. They, uh, you know, vote on legislation. They, uh, you know, influence the people that they can influence. Um, you know, the the person who uh, uh, makes the laws about your auto insurance, you know, they're into politics. Um, and so this this dream of an apolitical space where politics just doesn't apply is just it, it's it's foolish because it's impossible. There's just no way, and. And asking people to um, to not bring that, you know, a lot of the angry tweets I get are about, uh, you know, uh, you know, shut up, you snowflake, like, uh, you know, just do your job, stop bringing your politics to the workplace, because I think they have a vision of what that means, you know, that like you're you're there showing up with like your Bernie Sanders flag, you know, and like <laughs> your your AOC shirt, and you're like pushing in people's faces, but that's not the case. It it 
the case is, uh, you know, when you when you call things like uh, uh, equity or diversity or civil rights or uh, uh, equal opportunity, you, you take that and you call that politics. That that's screwed up. You know, because because what what leaders are asking is they're asking to not be made uncomfortable, and that's a totally different ball game. You know. Ooh. <laughs> he just hit. He just like you know. Damn. If you could ima- exactly like if you could imagine holding uh if you could imagine holding one of those gamer controllers. I don't play games, but it, like literally, just just in front of a landmine, making us feel comfortable. Yeah. 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 And really- and it- the things that, you know, the things that fundamentally should be political aren't political. And the things that fundamentally should not be political are political right now. And, and yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you, you got it. I mean, it's, uh, uh, the goal of the, of the workers is not to make, uh, their employers or their managers the most comfortable, you know? And the deal is if, if something feels uncomfortable, if it keeps coming up in the workplace, that means it's a problem. You know, you can't have like chest pain and you're like, ah, that makes me uncomfortable. I'm just going to I'm going to not talk about it. Actually, chest pain is 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 illegal now. You can't talk about chest pain. You know, like you're going to be underground pretty soon. Like, you you know, you like it's it's coming for you. So workplaces that don't embrace uh, uh, d- the hard work, they don't embrace the diversity work. Um, they don't see that as an advantage that they could pursue. Um, they're going to be left in the dirt. I mean, they're not, you know, it, every company that adopts that, you know, they're, they're not going to be in the fortune 500 for long. They're not going to be in the, on the front page of entrepreneur magazine. You know, they're just not going to be thought leaders because they won't have the source material and the energy of people contributing to their organization, you know, telling people they can't bring them whole selves to work. People aren't going to bring anything to work. You know, they're, they're going to bring the bare minimum. They're going to do the, I just going to do enough so I don't get fired. This place doesn't care about me, doesn't care about me as a whole human. Um, you get into a lot of deep-seated stuff. You know, you get into a lot of uh, 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 really hard, hard stuff that, that sits in your chest when you tell someone they can't be themselves. So, you know, in, given, given your past position, you know, the, the role that you recently walked away from, I, I'm curious when you talk about the tweets that are coming across and people are, uh, you know, denigrating you and using, you know, uh, uh, sullied characterizations, if you will. I, yeah. I, I'm wondering, even though this was your first and only time working outside of Detroit, are you a member of like uh, a chief marketing association or organization? Are you hearing from other people that are in the marketing space and, and some of their sentiment? Because your timeline looks a little bit different than my, a lot different than mine. I like your timeline as a matter of fact. Thank you. But are you hearing from, from other people that have that marketing capacity around their opinion of these positions taken by some uh, leaders? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I had a lot of people, um, we ended up on the front page of some, you know, super right wing publications. And that got a lot of these, you know, uh, jerks on my on my feed. That's fine. You know, it, it's okay. Like, it, they, it's shock jock stuff, you know. Um, the I would say 80% of the response I got was completely supportive and positive. You know, people saying like, they don't want that at their workplace. Um, they're sorry for what I'm going through. You know, it must be an impossible thing, you know, because up until a few weeks ago, you know, everything was hunky dory and now it's, it's just not. Um, so, uh, uh, 
you know, when, when we talk about this, like people are looking at this, like, is this going to happen in other workplaces? You know, like, are people going to, um, uh, like see these policies at bigger companies, you know, is, is, um, you know, the, the, the Coinbase did this where they said, you know, they're going to be an apolitical organization and that has a chilling effect on the people that work there. Um, and I, I believe it may, you know, I think people are watching to see like, how is this going to go? Um, because they'd, you know, prefer to be, uh, uh, not bothered by, you know, having humans and stuff, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work managing people, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. I, Torn and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago that we're starting to see the white male retreat um, in leadership is like, hey, we got a new administration. So everything's OK now. Right. Like we can go back to our place of quiet and comfort. And and to your point, I think that there are going to be organizations who fully embrace sort of this right wing apolitical as much as they think it's apolitical it is not um workspace and they are going to go the way of the dinosaurs and and only time is going to prove us right because i think the world is watching right now and business is watching in terms of what can we continue to get away with when it comes to how we treat our workers and how we devalue our most valuable asset which is our people um and and really we'll see that in the next 10 years or so knock on wood that some of these guys go away but what i want to hear about too is all of the amazing work that you do in detroit um you know before we started we started talking a little bit about some of the social entrepreneurship and the work companies that you have built. So tell us what's driving your energy now that you've walked away from, from that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've always had, um, you know, since, uh, 2011, I've had, uh, small companies that I've founded and run. Um, these are all bootstrapped, you know, we have no investors or everything. We, we do everything off of just earned revenue. Um, you know, I started a company called the Detroit bus company, uh, which was started to fill transit gaps in the city of Detroit. Um, you know, I got very frustrated about the transit inequality issue here in the city because transit is access to resources. You know, transit is everything. It's your, it's your education, it's your job, it's your doctor's appointment, it's, uh, elder care, you know, it's groceries, it's name it. If you got to get to it, transit is that, is that barrier. Um, and so I did two things. I started the Detroit bus company and I also worked to get appointed to be the transit commissioner for the city of Detroit. So I work oh, as wow. a, as a public transit commissioner. Um, and, uh, Detroit is busted because transit dollars are a function of how many people you have and how big of a space do you have, you know, it's, it's density, right? Um, and so Detroit is a big city. It's 140 square miles. Uh, we have, uh, around 670,000 people right now, which is very few for that size. Uh, our city is made for 2 million people. Um, so we used to have a thriving transit system here and now we have almost nothing. You know, some buses come once an hour. Some lines stop running through the night. So if you have a, a, a second shift or a third shift job, you're just out of luck. You know, you just wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Stay there for a second. Stay there for yeah. a second. Yeah. And, and I want, I really want you to be with us present. So I apologize once for interrupting, but I might do it a couple more times. You just said something 600,000 plus people. Yep. Built for 2 million. And you have like second and third shift individuals that can't even 
So it absolutely impacts work, family. I mean, everything. It impacts everything. Every, every, so decisions literally have to be made around can I get or am I close to a bus route? Yep. Yep. A bus route. And, and when does it run? You know, and we also have this issue where our bus system is unreliable. So you may be waiting on that 6 a.m. bus to bring you to your job and it just straight up doesn't show. And the next one, it's not until seven. And that's it. You're done. You know, uh, some kids have to get up at 530 in the morning to get to school on time, you know, because we don't have we don't have school buses here for kids that go to uh, high school. You know, you have to take the public bus. Um, and, uh, a lot of kids they are go they're crossing town because, you know, they may be have, they might, it may have went to one school and, but they're staying at their, their aunt's house. And so they got to cross, you know, the whole width of the city to get to, to go to the same school they used to go to. Um, you know, I've learned a ton in my work here. Uh, one of those concepts being that homelessness isn't what you think of when you think of homelessness. You know, some people think of homelessness as like a, you know, a person under a bridge, but homelessness means like a family that can't afford their rent anymore and they have to move in with, you know, their relatives so that they can, they can survive, you know, that's technically homeless, um, or, or under housed, you know, as I think the term is moving forward, um, rightfully. So, so like, uh, homeless youth education access, that's a massive problem in of itself. Like that one problem right there is, is a huge thing for, for, ec- uh, education equity, um, uh, that's how kids get lunches. It's how they get, uh, uh, meal vouchers and meal programs. Um, and so we started the company to try to fill some of those gaps. Can we solve all those problems? Like, absolutely not. It is a public transit problem through and through. Um, but I was so mad about it. I bought a bus, uh, and then we made that work and we got another bus and we got up to 15 buses and 38 employees before the pandemic hit. Um, you know, we had buses going seven days a week, getting people to opportunities, getting people to uh, things they needed. We did the buses for the voter program um, for the big election. Uh, so we got thousands of people to the polls to uh, to go vote um, over the last few elections. You know, like like if there is somewhere where people want to go, we're going to work our butts off to get them there. That's just what we do. I love the concept. I absolutely love the concept. I also love the fact that, you know, you have other complementary businesses where you can support one and it absolutely makes an impact in one of the others. You can participate in the Detroit bus company and then it helps get, uh, you know, it, it helps young people with a complimentary ride to school. You know, I think about the city of Detroit and I think of, you know, some of the wealth that sits inside of that city. You know, how did the community receive what what seems to be a breakout organization in the Detroit bus company? Like, were there raving reviews? Did you get any pushback from politicians? Did they see you as a person trying to uh, be the white savior on a horse? Like, talk a little bit about what was happening on the ground since I'm in Baltimore, a city that is often referred to as being akin to Detroit. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. Definitely sister cities in that way. Um, you know, uh, people who, who haven't dug into my story, like they see, uh, you know, 20 something, 30 something white dude saying he's working on city problems. Like I get it, like bring it, you know, I'm like, I'm happy to have that conversation because, um, you know, we're one of the blackest cities in America. Like, uh, you know, any solution needs to involve everyone who's going to be a part of it. Anyone who shows up and says, I got the answer. Here you go. You just haven't been thinking about this, right. You know, I'm Mr. Problem solver. Um, that almost never turns out well, you know, um, I have found a lot of my best times that I've spent in building this company have been in church basements, 
They've been over, uh, mm. you know, a $5 pizza. They've been talking to people, conversations that um, on the surface might not look like they're worth the time. You know, you're talking to three or four people. You're talking to community leaders, um, you know, at eight o'clock at night on a Tuesday. Uh, but the truth is, is that those are the conversations that are going to help you build the services that not only do the most good, but also are in the most demand. You know, because you just can't, you just can't get out there and think, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open up this thing. I'm going to solve everybody's problems. It's all going to be, that is the, the typical white savior. And it doesn't have any traction. Benevolency runs out. You know, we used to be grant funded because we wanted to, you know, get a check to, to offer the rides for free. Uh, it was wonderful while it lasted. It comes to a screeching halt. If you've ever been grant funded, you know that every single time at the pageant, you're, you're, you're doing the song and dance. You're trying to prove to people your value and the worth. They want the sexy metrics. So we switch from grant funded to earned revenue. So now every time someone buys a bus ticket for a tour or for a wedding or, or something that they're renting a bus for, we, we mark that up. And then that, that free ride is built into that sale there. So we don't have to go to anybody. We don't have to go to any big corporation. We don't have to go to any foundation and ask to, to, to get permission to be alive, a you know? We get to make our own destiny, uh, and it means we also get to serve the neighborhoods we want to serve. You know, when we were grant funded, we were told to serve certain areas. They said serve this area because we've got real estate developments there. You know, we're working on growing things there. We've got a specific, you know, marketing message we're looking for there. We don't want to do that. We want to go to where the greatest need is. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to serve the programs that would never be able to afford transportation if uh, they had to go pay for it on the open market. Uh, that's where. We want to. We want the seats to do the most they possibly can, and that's that's rarely aligned with some giant corporation's marketing message. You know, unfortunately. Um, so so everything we do, the arsenal of clean. You know, the the when the bus company got shut down, uh, we started making hand sanitizer. You know, first it was one uh, uh, one uh, barrel full, uh, and then it was two, and then ten, and then fifty. You know, we became the largest hand sanitizer maker in Detroit. Um, and we used almost all of our staff from the bus company to make that sanitizer. Uh, and that's a buy one, give one model. So you buy it, we give it, you know, we, we, we drop it straight off. We've actually sent uh, sanitizer all over the country. So it wasn't just Detroit. We had so much to give out. We sent a truckload out to the Navajo Nation. Uh, you know, it's been going to nonprofits um, all over the country. Um, we uh, uh, gave it to a large Native American center in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, I love seeing these semi-truck doors slam shut and the stuff take off from our loading dock. I mean, it, it, is, it is an awesome feeling to see like that stuff that we made go out into the world. You know, it wasn't something that we bought from someone else. Like that was a product of us. Um, so all of these are just building on each other that we want to work on earned revenue so that we can run the, a company the way that we want to run it. We don't have to answer to any, you know, rich old dude. You know, you talked about something earlier. You, you, you mentioned that there, there was no VC funding, that everything has been bootstrapped. We talked in the beginning about your introduction and how you are deeply rooted in the community. I, I know that you've had some issues, you know, from a real estate perspective in the past, you know, where you've improved buildings, you've made communities better, you've employed folks. And then at the end, it was, see you later, you got to go start all over again. You are sitting actually in a building that you uh, and your team have purchased. Can you talk a bit about why you made that a continued committed investment and what you see happening there? Yeah, this 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 project really brings a smile to my face. I mean, I feel really um, excited about it. And if you're watching the video right now, um, you would see that I'm sitting in uh, an almost pitch dark 
uh, old uh, where, uh, office above a warehouse and all the windows behind me are, are boarded up. Um, but this is going to be a, a shining place of uh, small business and entrepreneurship um, inside of eight months. Uh, without a doubt, I have no doubt in my mind. Um, uh, and we, we bought this building because every time we rented a building, it would be in a neighborhood that we could afford. Um, you know, there wouldn't be a lot around us. Uh, and we'd work on the building. So, you know, we'd scrape the walls, we'd paint, we'd replace windows, you know, but we were renting these places. And we always had the intention of buying it. The landlord would tell us, oh, yeah, yeah, this happened to me twice now. Yeah, yeah, I'll sell it to you. You know, don't worry about it. Just get started. Okay, cool. I trust them. You know, I was a 20 something. Um, the first time I got 20 tenants into a building, we fixed the whole place up. Gorgeous place. Um, and uh, I went to buy it. I went to exercise my option. Uh, landlord said, too bad. You know, I, I don't want to sell it. Uh, and actually, now that your lease is up, all your tenants are mine. <laughs> Which I just... I was like, I was in a dark place. I was very upset. Um, so we got another building and half those tenants moved with me. They uprooted themselves. They said, we're coming with you. We're going to the new building. Um, you know, our whole thing is that we do, uh, uh, we give all the leverage to the tenant. So you can have as long a lease as you want. You know, you got the paperwork to defend you. No month to month stuff, no cash only leases, none of that crap. Um, I'm the manager, so I'm right here with you. If you got a problem, you don't got to call anybody. I'm right here. You know, we work alongside each other. Uh, we're we're on a journey together. You know, that's how we work with our tenants. Uh, and then, because uh, uh, if I got a, if you got a problem, it's probably my problem too. <laughs> if he's not out or something, you know, there's no super. There's just Andy. Um, and then, uh, so we moved to a new building, and then we moved to a a, a big industrial building um, in Hamtramck. It's inside of Detroit. Did the whole thing, fix it up got it straight. I actually, uh, you know, cleaning up lead walls. I got lead poisoning. You know, I didn't know what that feels like. You get, it, it, that sucks. But I like put in the work, you know, nights and weekends, got this thing all set up, all safe, inspected, all that. Um, exact same story over again. Just uh, neighborhood gets better. Uh, land prices come up. I say I want to exercise our $600,000 option. Uh, the landlord said the words. He said, nah, he said, you can sue me. Because he's a big money guy. He's a multimillionaire, you know, lives in the burbs, just pulling wealth out of the city. You know, that's all you got are these dudes, these hobbyist landlords living on the, the peripheral in these suburbs, just pulling wealth out of the city. You know, there's this idea that, that urban environments don't have any wealth, that they don't have any money. Uh, they're broke because they, you know, spend money on things they don't need. It's just not true. All that wealth just gets extracted. It gets pulled out. It's like, it's like richer than oil, you know, and it gets sucked into all these McMansions time and time again. You know, people are paying their rents, they're paying their property taxes, like they're doing the thing, but that treadmill just keeps going faster and faster. And I, I've slapped my face on that treadmill uh, uh, a number of times, <laughs> you know, I'm like trying to keep up and you just, they, they make this narrative that, that people aren't taking care of their responsibilities. It's just not true because the game is just, is just rigged. And I, when I heard that from people in the past, I didn't believe it. I've lived it now. I, I see it. I understand it. Uh, and, and that's what we're trying to solve for with this place is we want to be the kind of landlord that we that we wish we had. You know, um, we say it so all the time. We say it all the time. I didn't mean to cut you off, Andy. We say it all the yeah. time that the closer you get to a scenario situation, the closer you get to people's circumstances and condition, that proximity to how they have to move through life will help you build that empathy muscle and perhaps bring you more into the conversation around 
why diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are so incredibly important. So let me ask you as as a final thought for our listeners, uh, and we absolutely appreciate you, what would you want to leave them with? You know, a lot of them may not be in Detroit. They may have connections in Detroit. So when you think of all that you are doing right now, what is it that you would want chief people officers, chief diversity officers, uh, talent managers, and the others in that HR ecosystem, what would you want them to hear from you? The number one lesson that I, I've learned the hard way, I've spent a lot of pain and sweat uh, on this and tears on this is that you should never, ever try to get a deal on your people. You're never looking at labor as something that you should try to get uh, cheaper, that you should try to get faster. The, you should build a company. You should have a strong enough company that you can pay even beyond what is reasonable, that you pay above and beyond, that you provide services above and beyond, that you provide time off above and beyond, because that is your superpower that's going to get you to compete. If we just talk strict dollars and cents, that's what a lot of people only care about. They just care about the bottom line. Let's just let's take the empathy question off of it and make it purely about money to, to, to tune into the jerks in the room, which I don't think you've got any jerks listening to this, but just in case, uh, you, will, you will run a better company if you dramatically take care of your people. It should, that should be the thing that you just keep turning up. They should be impressed by the amount of raises and services and offers that you give them. Uh, so they don't even have a, a thought of going somewhere else. Uh, not to speak of also that working conditions should be good. The emotional uh, safety around them should be good. They should have good management. You know, you're not in charge. Those people are in your charge. You're supposed to protect them emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, financially. You know, um, never get a deal on your people. Give them on the world and they'll give it back to you. That's go do that, please. You can find him on Twitter at that Detroit Andy. Again, he's on Twitter at that Detroit Andy. And I want to just quickly mention before Julie gives us um, her name drops, you know, in the the previous conversation or in the pre-show conversation, you know, Andy shared with me a couple of organizations that we could all support. You know, this is one of the things that we can all consider doing. We can go to uh, one of the websites, arsenalofclean.com. Again, arsenalofclean.com, and you can purchase a gift card. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make sure that my gift card goes to one of these three organizations, Detroit Water Guardians, Brilliant Detroit, and the third of which is Detroit Will Breathe. Andy, we absolutely appreciate you for being with us on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome show. Yeah, in, in, incredible. Incredible work, um, incredible energy, and and we could probably talk for two hours and split it into four or five different pods just based on that last bit of uh, gold at the end. Um, so name drops this week. Um, mine is for the Chad and Cheese show um, and my amazing husband who won an award of distinction for one of their episodes on slamming Indeed, go figure. Um, from the Communicator Awards Council, congrats to Chad and Cheese over at the Chad and Cheese podcast. And I'm going to turn my name drop over to Andy. Andy, since you're still with us, uh, I believe you have a podcast. Do you have a podcast of your own? 
Oh, so that's a, that's a sad one. It's uh, it was uh, behind the counter and it was interviews with Detroit small business owners. Uh, we did 25 episodes and I didn't pay the hosting bill. The credit card uh, <laughs> got renewed and I lost all the episodes. They're all gone. Oh uh, man! So I have to I have to do it again. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll we'll do something like that again. Make sure you follow that that. <laughs> I can't make sure you follow that Detroit Andy. That right there was priceless. We didn't get a chance to get into one of his life hacks, but because the episode is airing just about a day and a half after he dropped it, uh, go to his timeline and look for the life hack. He's got an image up. Uh, he feels in different squares. Comment under that and ask him what do what does filling in those squares mean i don't have uh, a name drop but what i will say is i close reminding each and every one of you to be better humans share the pod with your digital tribe share it across all of social media if you are a first-time listener we absolutely appreciate you for being here don't link it your last time hit that subscribe button again you can find us at crazyandtheking.com you can find us on iTunes and Spotify along with a number of other uh, podcasting platforms shout out to uh, our podcast um, we'll, we'll just call them our distributor you know we're going to go with that street language our distributor evergreen you know, we absolutely appreciate you for rocking with Julie and I. But listen, seriously, we we just want you all to be better humans. That's really what it's all about. Having voices like Andy to contribute, have each and every one of you listening. We appreciate that. We just want you to be better humans. For now, Jay and I are ghosts. See ya. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.